And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. As someone who can talk to pretty much anyone, pretty much anywhere, about pretty much anything, you might think... Kathy, you get along with everybody. You can talk to just anybody. That's mostly true. But connecting with someone, really connecting with someone, that happens for me about as infrequently as it happens for everybody else. The guest I have today is one of those people. We were introduced by a mutual friend several months ago when I was doing some market research. My friend thought that she'd be a great subject for me. We got on a Zoom call that was supposed to be 30 minutes long. Two and a half hours later, maybe even a little longer than two and a half hours, I ended the call and kind of stared dumbfounded at my screen. What had just happened? Who had I just met? The woman I had just met is Stacy Idema, and Stacy is, put simply, an alchemist. She's an alchemist in the realm of investing and comes to it with a fascinating perspective. She broke free from corporate America and found a new path. And that path has led her to transforming the way male-led investment firms approach experience and integrate with women-led businesses. And also on the other side, supporting female entrepreneurs in how to bring their businesses forward. Her company is called Global Collective. And in today's episode, our conversation, well, it's a wide-ranging one that even takes a nice long dive down the rabbit hole. So get yourself comfortable. Maybe grab some popcorn. And while you're at it, leave your bias at the gate. I'm Kathy Brooks, and this is Talk Unleashed. Let's just start it rolling and see how it feels. I for several months now have just been mostly coming on here and talking about what's going on with me, the journey I'm taking and things that are coming up for me. And I have this incredible backlog of amazing conversations that I had with people when I was back in Las Vegas that I've been thinking about and looking at, and it hasn't really felt quite right to bring them forward yet. And then I meet my friend Stacy. And we start talking about all kinds of things. And it occurs to me that the reason I've been holding off on posting those others is that this is the conversation that gets to happen first. Mm. Stacy Idema is a, I'm going to call you a refugee from corporate America. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, a powerful woman who spent many years in the corporate realm, hired an executive coach. She thought she should be further along than where she was. She was exhausted. And then she realized that it was partly a self-sabotage journey, as so many of us realize. But what many people don't do is what Stacy actually did, which is dig in, get underneath. She is insatiably curious we had the great, I have the great pleasure of crossing paths with, paths 
I had the great pleasure of crossing paths with her through a mutual friend. We met and immediately I saw why the introduction had been made. Uh, the insatiable curiosity that Stacy has for all things, but especially for how do we get to be better humans? How do we get to bring out the best in others? And how do we get to empower others partially by empowering ourselves? Mm. And where Stacy focuses these great superpowers is in the realm of empowering women to rise up and be empowered in their businesses and specifically around the realm of investment and the great uh, equity gap in investment when it comes to women-led businesses and a largely male-led investment community. Now, it's not just that they are men. We're not talking about genitalia here. Let me be clear. We're not talking about men and women and you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus and any of that horseshit. That's not what this is about. This is about the innate nature of masculinity and femininity as energy flow. And that within either gender, in terms of genitalia, we both have both. And how we become more powerful, how we become more powerful is by bringing out the best in the opposite in each other. And so that is my introduction of Stacy. And uh, welcome, welcome to Talk Unleashed. I am honored. In fact, I'm wondering, how do I take you along with me? And you can do that intro for me everywhere I go. I couldn't, like, <laughs> even remembering some of the things that we've talked about and shared because it's been so much in the last couple of months that the things that you remember, I'm like, oh, gosh, I did tell her that. Oh, my gosh, we did talk about that. So thank you. Thank you for that. Well, you will have this podcast episode, so you'll be able to just, I think I'm going to suggest that anytime you sit down with someone, you just say, hold on a second, and then play, let them listen, and, uh, and then tell them to subscribe. <laughs> yeah. oh, that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be my ask. I will, I will do that. Yes. Uh, and so, so Stacey, you know, you're now living in the UK. Yeah. You're a US, US born and bred Midwestern gal. Yes. Jumped across to uh, uh jumped across the pond mm. number uh over a year ago. And I guess where I'd love to start with you is when you when you look at this gender equity issue, really what comes up for me is you've told me about so many different things of you know, certainly women making 75 cents for every dollar, et cetera, et cetera, is the long-range consequences that arise from this continued gender inequity, from this continued path of not bringing everyone to the table and giving them an equal shot is that there are long-term unintended consequences mm. to, to individuals, to families, to communities. Um, I would love, let's, let's just start, let's start there. Let's start with a small topic. Let's start there. Yeah. The, 
the unden- the unintended consequences really are around mindset. You know, we think about the money aspect of it, but it's deeper than that. It really goes to how we think about ourselves as women. How do we speak to ourselves? How do we speak to others? Where do we get jealous? How do we rise women up? And then how do we teach others to treat us? So as that cycle continues, it continues to perpetuate this really low-level mindset of what and, and diminishing what we're capable of. And then that impacts everything else. That's like the root of it. That the unintended consequences of that then are the wealth, the opportunity, the abundance, um, partnerships, businesses, uh, giving back, you know, creating that cycle. It, it, it almost feels like part of the cycle stops with us. And we don't even realize it. And instead, we feel like we're pushing this rock, this boulder constantly uphill. And then everything takes longer. It impacts our kids. It impacts communities. It's contagious. And that's not the thing we want to be contagious. That's not, what, that's not a contagion we want. I'm reminded of the conversation that you shared with me about a conversation that you had with one of your sons, your mom of two, they're both now grown young men and um, having a conversation with one of them talking about the impact that the inequity had had with you in corporate Mm. life in terms of you made, if a man makes a hundred grand, you're making 75 and down with bonuses and pay raises and golf trips that you might not have been invited on because you were a woman and get togethers after work where other business deals got done and relationships got strengthened. You didn't get invited to because you didn't weren't part, you know, cause you weren't a man. Right. So yeah. they were at the men's club doing X um, and your son's realization that it affected, it literally affected him in terms yeah. of clothes he got to have or not have vacations he got to have or not have. And, yeah. you know, again, the, the experiences of those, those things. So when you think about unintended consequences, this idea of responsibility is what then that comes next in the kind of the next word that comes up in the, in the wheel for me is responsibility yeah. that in order to be aware of a long-term consequence, I first get to know that I am 100% responsible for all of my thoughts, for all of my words, for all of my actions, for all of my deeds. Yeah. And how that may or may not change the course of a river. Yeah. So when you're pushing up against something that is, is so monumental, that is so historic, that has literally millennia of, of sediment encrusting the truth underneath it, where do you even begin that journey of chipping away? 
with myself, with myself. And that's been a range of feelings and emotions and the backlog in my own sediment of of what I did and how I showed up, what I didn't do. Um, And the only way forward is through it. And so I'm, I'm by no means perfect, but it's really truly radical responsibility of myself. And with that, uh, the truth, the truth of who I am and all those ways that I held myself back and learning a new way to love myself and show up because I want to attract those that give a shit. And there are many that are out there. And once we have one and then we attract another one, we bring along their friends that to which to whom they're attracted to. And that's the contagion that we want. That's the attraction that we want. And never, this was never an in, this for me was never an intended path the fire in me never went away and it was there for so long and after spending 26 years in corporate and and ignoring it and stuffing it down um when it almost feels like it takes you by the leash and and drags you where you don't want to go you kind of have to follow because the resistance is, it's too painful. So it's truly, it's starting with yourself. So you said that journey to, to discovering yourself. Mm. Who is that? What'd you find? Ooh. She is, like you said, an insatiably curious, passionate, like devoted, loving, fierce, bold, um, kind, truly this, this spectrum, this multi-passionate entrepreneur, this lover of life. Um, and I'm a human and I get to forgive myself for being a human you know it's really interesting about what you just said is that you open by saying she is Mm, I am but then you ended with I am I am Mm. And so there's still that sense of slight discomfort of fully embodying, perhaps. Perhaps. 
Perhaps. And and I get I and I get a reminder every day, hence the reason I I, I tattooed words on my body to remind me so that I get to read them every day of who I am and get to repeat myself in the mirror of who I am. And what are those words? Bold, beautiful, badass, kind, fierce, and soulful. Now, what we're talking about here is for some people, some people who may be listening. Now, the truth is, if you're listening to this podcast and you have any interest in listening to me, following me, you've been paying any attention or you know me, chances are likely that you're comfortable going into the woo-woo, at least occasionally, um, that the soft skills, she says with air quotation marks, you actually realize are the critical elements that mm-hmm. the tangible hard skills are the uh, external horseshit nonsense that come and go and can be taken away, but the internal part is critical. So, um, so I'll just qualify with that. And at the same time, I can feel the eye roll of some of you, the, oh, come on, more self-discovery. Fine. I know myself. (laughs) I know myself. So I think that in my experience that, that there is, it is serious work that sometimes people take too goddamn seriously, Mm. get a little too precious about it need to overanalyze, process, and unpack every last thing. Where do you draw the line? Oh. My desire to get over my perfectionism and my people-pleasing tendencies was my line. Um, sure, stuff still comes up. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's not tuck it away, but let's acknowledge it and give it a little love. My, for me, it was actually digging into hypnotherapy, and that that became my journey to the recovering people pleaser and the perfectionism, and uh, really a acceptance. Quite honestly, acceptance. Of yourself or of others? First myself uh, and then others. It, it was forgiveness of myself for all the times that I said no to me and said yes to everyone else or everything else. The things, especially that my intuition told me, were not good for me. And... I know that they weren't good for me now because I know the results of it. And I also know what I felt like going into it and thought, oh, it would be no big deal, whatever that was. Now, I would never take that pain. I would never take that situation away because I learned something from it. it. Now, it's like, okay, she talks to me. Yeah, we have a flow and... Like I was saying before we got on the call, I was feeling some resistance this morning. I don't ignore I don't ignore it anymore. It doesn't matter how much I wanted to go work out. There was something else that she had for me. And so I'm going to trust it. And 
So you're using that third person thing again. Yeah, the intuition, my intuition. So your intuition okay. is 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 of you, but is not perhaps you. Uh, um, she's a guide. I call her a guide. Okay. She has a name. Okay. We talk. Yeah. What's, what's her name? Let's you know not be <laughs> Dollface. Her name's Dollface. Oh, of course, Dollface. What else would it be? <laughs> right. Yep. Um. And she can get a little sassy time sometimes. She can get a little resistant sometimes, but she keeps me in check. Hmm. I find the difference between the names of our respective uh, internal uh, guidance systems am- amusing. Mm-hmm. Maleficent. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, was always my favorite Disney character. Right, really just wants to be loved. Truth is, and um, if she gets pissed off, she burns things down. <laughs> <laughs> but she can also make flowers grow and can fly because she's a fairy. So, <laughs> right, right, she's innately badass. And uh, don't. Don't make her angry. It's a very bad idea. It's very bad. When she's angry, it's the truth is, is that the anger is um, loneliness, mm-hmm. fear, sadness. Like that's actually the truth of it. Shame. You know? yeah. yeah. Like when yeah. she's ready to burn shit down, I get to say, okay, so let's not do that today. Yeah. Let's not do that. I hear you. I hear you. I get it. Um. But yeah, I um I don't know what you were like in your corporate time, but I sure know what I was like in mine. And I look back and I think to myself, dear Lord, how do I still have any friends from that time in life? <laughs> Why does anybody like me? I was not a nice person. I did not behave in a good and meaningful way. I was, you know, machete in one hand and blunt force object bludgeon in the other. And um, I think about the unintended consequences that Mm. came from that to myself, to my family. So let's talk more specifically about the work that you do, you're doing now with Global Collective. This bold, audacious, very important movement to qualitatively and quantitatively shift the way investment is done. You know, it's, you can put as many pretty pictures on it as you like, but the investing community, especially when you're looking at venture-led financing uh, for small startup businesses, it is vast majority male, it is male run, it is male dominated, and the vast yeah. majority of the money, unless it is a women-led fund specifically focused on investing in women-led businesses, the likelihood that an investment portfolio at any given VC firm is going to have anything even remotely close to parity or equity in yeah. gender, in race, um, in anything else is pretty damn close to zero. Yeah. Pretty damn close to zero. So what kind of response have you received 
and and give me the the spectrum because I'm guessing you get all levels of response from the hard fuck no to that's brilliant where do I sign to the I'm guessing large swath in the middle yeah which is that's really interesting but I have no idea how we're going to do that yeah and I that's probably the most although I would say since I've gotten more clear on my approach it's more like, oh, I see. I see how we can do that. And that approach is more technology-driven. Um, I, I get a lot that say, I want to help you and disappear. I don't know. Let's, let's, go, let's go into yeah. that for a minute. This great idea. I think you're awesome. I want to help you. And then you say, great, here's my ask. Yeah. Or great, how do you think you, how do you see yourself best helping me? And then it's crickets. What do you think that is about? Fear. Hands down fear. Fear of? Fear of not knowing how to do it. Fear of not having their own community that believe in this. And so going at it alone and the unknown unknowns. Um, Fear of being ridiculed by a woman if they were to tell her no. If they were to tell a woman no for so, val- for valid re- for valid reasons, like you don't have a business model, whatever. Certainly, certainly, certainly. But it, in our conversation, for them, there's. I've learned. I've learned, in all sorts of ways, that women are afraid of men. So you know, some of the conversations that we've had just about how we choose to show up to protect ourselves as women. We can come across very crass. We can come across very aggressive. And part of that is our us trying to figure out our own way to get heard. And sometimes we feel like we have to show up in that very masculine energy, but it's like two bulls, you know, horns locked. You don't get anywhere. And I also believe that many men are afraid of really strong women. And so this is where not only do I believe that creating ease and creating a technology that removes the bias and investment, a path that gets us to that parity faster. It's also the conversations because if we go at them the way that we feel like we are being coming, that we feel we're being attacked. It's just the reverse. It's a, it's a different side of the same coin. And I want a different coin. We get to have the conversations to help them understand what we do well in business. We get to have the conversations to tell them our perspective. We get to have the conversations for them to tell us what they do well in business. And we get to have the conversations together to learn how to do it better together. And 
we already have enough examples of that existing today. Um, there are many co-led businesses out there. There are many businesses that have gone from all male-led and really gender diversified and have seen the results. So it's not as if we're starting with nothing. It exists. And it's going, it will require a community of them for them as well to be able to support and empower their community so that they can learn from each other. I mean, some of the questions that I do get from investors that want to invest in women-owned, women-led businesses is, Stace, can you tell me, how do I approach a woman? What do I say so she doesn't think that bad of me? Mm. And I have, and this, this could be a completely separate topic. I have lots of opinions on why some of that exists right now. But that's telling me that they too are trying to do it all the right way. And it does change the model of how they do business because unfortunately women aren't on the golf course. Women aren't in those places that men are and vice versa. In fact, I think there was a brilliant, um, I cannot think of her name for the life of me. There is a black woman who has done a significant, it's not lovey. It'll come to me. There's a woman uh, Mark Cuban invested in her company without, I don't want to say without due diligence, if you will, but her history had had shown her due diligence and the work that she has done with investing in up, underrepresented founders. And what he said to her, his famous quote is, you will be in rooms I will not be. Therefore, I'm investing in you. We need mm-hmm. more of that. We need mm-hmm. more of those relationships that get to start with the basics of how do we communicate better with each other? How do we learn from each other? And how do we get to have the hard conversations so we can move our way through them? So we get to do this together. You will be in rooms that I will not be in. Mm -hmm. Speaks to equity that really just goes to a humanity level for me is what comes up for me. It reminds me of a a experience I had at a Thanksgiving dinner a number of years ago, an individual who was invited to the dinner was largely LGBTQ people around the table with the exception of one straight cisgender heterosexual woman, white woman, and one cisgender heterosexual white man um, whose name was Moses and who was from like deep in Mississippi who had gotten out of his small town by joining the army. He was not an officer. He was a grunt in the army. He did his time in the army, Um, you know, not highly educated academically, you know, blue collar guy. And he's, you know, there he is, you know, from the deep South and sitting in a room of people who look nothing like anything he's ever experienced before. And he, he turned to me at one point, we were sitting kind of adjacent to each other at the table. And we said, I don't remember how the topic came around, but he said kind of to me, but kind of in general, you know, I don't understand if a 
woman is attracted to another woman, why would she date a woman who looks like a man? Mm. And he just looked at me and said, can you explain that to me? And like, literally, it was like the air got sucked out of the room and everybody whipped around and feel the hate being directed to him. He's asking a question from a legitimately curious and I don't understand space. He doesn't understand. No exposure, no education, no understanding. And, And yes, Virginia, there are people even in this world, you know, to say, well, there's the internet and there's all this information, how can people not know is to speak from an elitist, overly educated, privileged place of having access to those things. There are still people on the planet who don't have that. Yes, even here in the United States of America, there are people who live lives in a specific, very cloistered community with a very specific experience. And they don't get to be made wrong or hated for it, especially when they come to a question from a legitimate place of curiosity and wanting to know. The woman sitting next to me literally started coming out of her chair to go across. I literally, I put my hand on her, one hand on her shoulder, like claw on her shoulder, sat her back in her chair, looked at her and said, I got this. She's like, but what he just said, I, did, did, did. I said, he's asking, I said, if, how does it make me any better than the people that I would say are like him if I don't meet his curiosity with a legitimate response? Yeah. I got to tell you what happened was nothing nice. Everyone left the table except for me and one other, a homosexual white man. And the two of us sat there and talked with him and I answered his question as best I could. I said, look, I can't really answer the question because that's not who I'm attracted to. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not my personal preference as a lesbian. Like that's doesn't appeal to me. So I can't say I understand it. There's some people who are attracted to a certain body type or a certain hair color or a certain physiology that isn't what attracts me. So I can't tell you what that is. I can tell you what it means for me to be attracted to a woman mm-hmm. for me my experience. And he had never thought about it that way before. And I asked myself, like, so what's your type? What kind of women do you like to date? What kind of women are you attracted to? Why are you attracted to them? He said, I don't know. I said, exactly. I said, are you attracted to men? He said, no. I said, okay, so you're a straight man. Great. Okay. There's some men who are attracted to other men. And it's, it was literally like his mind had been blown open. And at the end, the point of my sharing this is that at the end of the conversation, I said, Moses, I have a favor to ask of you. And he said, what's that? I said, there are going to be rooms that you're in that I, and I gestured to my friend next to me, I said that the two of us will never be in. You'll be around people who would literally never meet people like us. Yeah. And there's going to be conversations in those rooms where they talk about the goddamn dyke and the fucking faggot and the gay people. Mm-hmm. The dirty Jews, the stupid blacks, they're going to be people who have nasty things to say about people who aren't like them. Yeah. And my ask of you is that when that happens, because it will, that you remember this conversation and you speak for us. And that you use your voice in a place where I cannot to speak for me. Yeah. I said, you know, what do you think about that? He said, hell yeah. Hmm. And now will he do it? Has he done it? Don't know. 
but I bet you the thoughts at least crossed his mind when it's happened. Yeah. And for him to do that takes an enormous amount of courage because he could also be putting himself at literal risk. Yeah. So let's take that back out to the world of business, perhaps a little less life endangering, but career ending. It could mean closing of doors. Like if there is a male investor who decides to stand up in a room of men and say, we are not doing this right and this has to change, they could turn their back on him. Absolutely. So what of that? That's where the community comes in. That's why we get to have the conversations. That's why... That's why men get to come along for the ride as well. As much as I believe in the empowerment of the fem- the female, it really becomes the empowerment of the feminine for both, for everybody. So we strip gender aside. Because inclusivity is a feminine trait. And everyone has access to that if they so want it. You know, and again, to be clear, there's male and female. Yeah. And there's masculine and feminine. That's right. Related, but not the same thing. And... Um, I got into a long discussion in a women's group not that long ago um, where where the transgender topic arose. And I have um, several friends with transgender children, some, you know, where the presentation began very, very young, like four or five years old and others where it arose in teen years. And, you know, I don't propose to understand what that experience is like for them. I had, haven't had children, so it's, you know, kind of outside my experiential wheelhouse. Um, but to hear some of the views of, you know, that you've got gender, which is the physical presentation, like the gendered body, the physical presentation of gender, and then the energetic presentation You know, and so, I mean, I I don't want to turn this into a question of a conversation of transgender again, not my wheelhouse, not my expertise, but, you know, does the body have to change to match the energy flow? Mm. And looking, so like, let's look at the world of investing. So um, action-driven, decision-making, financially structured investment. All of that, all of that is uh, the structure of investment of itself is inherently masculine Mm -hmm. in its form, in its literal form. It is male structured, right? And yet the flow of money, the flow of anything is inherently feminine trait. Yeah. So does the form need to change? Or is it possible 
to pull forward the energy in the existing form? Well, you need form. You need form. Does it change? My intuition tells me that there will be some some restructuring of this structure that might come by way of the types of investment models that exist, mm. how, how, how investors receive returns, um, different types of business models. So that, that might be, and there might be something I'm completely not even thinking of or something I've not even yet been privy to. Well, I mean, and the systems that they feed into, um, you know, the investment market, the, you know, stock market, et cetera, et cetera, banking, you know, where the money resides and moves through, um, all of that again, inherently masculine. Yeah. Um, what I find really interesting now that we've kind of stepped onto the edge of this rabbit hole is if you go all the way back to before there was necessarily physical manifestation of money. Yeah. Like before there was money and banking, there was barter and trade and um, interplay and interchange of needs. Yeah. You know, you have lots of sheep and I have fields with food. So I'm going to exchange you for grains and fruits and things for wool and maybe, you know, uh, perhaps a sheep for slaughter for food, mm-hmm. right? Like we're going to, we're going to swap. Um, and it was women who did a lot of that. Yeah. And then the structures changed. Yeah. And where I signed different values, you know, industrialization, moving away from the agrarian nature-based to the industrial, yeah, mechanically based. Well, I, I think, and I'm just starting- I think I just to, put this into the rabbit hole, by the way. <laughs> why, I, I think so. And there's, there's some, some historical things that I've been doing some due diligence on specific to that, because even for farming, it was the women that did the farming and the men that went to the market to sell. The women didn't get paid for farming, but the men got paid when, when that exchange happened, when the money exchange happened, men got paid for that thing that had come from the farm, whatever it was. And so the system was built on that premise. And there's so many things that women, uh, um, childbirth, if you will. Women don't exchange money for childbirth or for rearing a child, for being a mother. Maybe we've just created a new model. (laughs) Right. However, a nanny or an au pair or a babysitter is paid for their services of caring for a child. And one could say that's the same thing for a father. So parents in general aren't paid for that. Yet well, somebody else can do it. Well, parenting isn't a job that you can 
Well, I guess there's some, probably some people who would argue there are parents who quit. There are people who rear, you know, who give birth to children and maybe raise them who actually quit on their kids in one way or another. But I remember s- talking to a friend of mine once and she was kind of in a sort of eye roll sort of situation. I'm like, what just happened? We're like, what's going on? And she said, you know, someone, I was just at like a women's lunch or a working mom's lunch. And someone was like, oh, being a mom's the best job in the world. And she snorted and she said, I don't know. I've got teenagers and I can't quit this job. Like a job I can <laughs> Right. Say, yes. You pay me more. I'm not getting paid enough. I right. just got more. Now my kids, when they were small, they were less difficult and took me less time. Now I'm managing teenagers, which is like going from managing a team of two to managing a team of 500. And now, but I, I made an upward move responsibility wise with a lateral pay, 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 like (laughs) I actually took a pay cut. I actually took a pay cut to do more work. So how does that work as a job? Because it's not a job I would ever take. And I just laughed and I'm like, wow, man, am I glad I have dogs? (laughs) Oh, dear me. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you took us down that rabbit hole. It it is, it's a really interesting, the economics behind that are really interesting because ultimately you could, you could invest in somebody taking care of your children for every, for all of their needs with the exception of the emotional needs, right? Because there's that 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 parent-child bond, if you will. And yet it's something that you don't get paid for. And it's another full-time full-time plus job. So you know that my my parallel for care of a of a of a being that needs you is of course dog care. And and I'm I'm reminded of my experience, you know, when running the hydrant club, this experience of people who were looking for someone to whom they could completely delegate the responsibility of their dog. They Mm -hmm. wanted all of the fun of having a dog run on the beach, snuggle on the sofa, you know, comfort when they're not feeling great, um, going on walks, getting out in nature, meeting other people with dogs, all of the, the social status of having a specific kind of dog or people stopping and admiring the dog and people having pride in that. Um, and yet they didn't want to do any of the work to have a well-mannered dog, mm-hmm. to have a dog that didn't jump on people when they came through the front door or knock down everything in the hallway where people come, when people come in or destroy furniture or dig up the backyard or eat the irrigation or bark incessantly, or don't walk nicely on the leash or have leash reactivity or, you know, make mess in the house or any of the things. And they thought that by putting their dog in a place that that was sufficient. Mm-hmm. All they needed to do, and, and I'm reminded of the people who delegate the care of their children. And you said, but they can't delegate the emotional need. However, in my experience, those who delegate the vast majority, it's like, why'd you have kids? Had kids to send them away that someone else would educate them what? You want somebody to take care of you when you're old? Let me break you a newsflash. 
The likelihood that the person who's going to grow up from that circumstance is actually going to give a shit enough about you to actually bring you into their home and care for you as opposed to just sticking you somewhere, pretty small. Yeah. So, boy, we've, we've, uh, is there light at the end of the rabbit hole? I haven't decided whether we're going down or I'm looking back (laughs) up the spot of light that's about a mile above us now and decide, do we keep digging? So it really, it comes right back around to what you said before. It starts with me. Yeah. And am I going to break the chains of what's been behind me? Generational or otherwise. Yeah. And how do you, Stacy, when you encounter, when someone, so we'll say male investor A, who is sufficiently interested in what he has heard about you, read about you, how you've presented yourself to him, what someone told him about you, whatever. Busy people, like I don't just meet with people because someone suggests, hey, you should meet with them, right? Mm -hmm. Do my due diligence? Oh, yes. So they take the time to meet with you. So there's a curiosity there. Mm -hmm. So you know that there's an opening, Mm -hmm. glimmer of light. And you can see that in order for them to step through that skinny little space, that there's some work that they maybe haven't done. Yeah. So where do you go with that? How do you stand as a source for that person, a resource for that for that person, uh, perhaps a guide with a flashlight, mm. maybe with a crowbar saying, I'm going to open that space a little bit for you so you can get through it. Yeah. Ooh. You dig in a little bit with them. I become that safe space. And knowing what I know now, so retrospective is always beautiful. Um, That's one of my sweet spots anyway. That's where I spent a vast majority of my corporate career was in those spaces of the unknown. Um, Because when they get to go through that, they get to do that for somebody else. They get to have that experience of what it's like to understand. And you don't have to go all the way, dig down to every little nook and cranny, but to begin to start to understand some of the patterns of what, why haven't they invested in women in the past? What has, what has led them to not considering? Understanding, dare I say it, some of their biases, the biases that we all have, right? It's just not inclusive to male-led investment firms or male investors, we all have them. And helping them get comfortable with the change itself. This, There's a lot of really good people doing some really good stuff. Um, and a lot of firms that are investing in women and even, even female-led firms that are investing in women. And they still treat women as if they would, uh, the same way that they would treat men. There's some really interesting um, things that are starting to come out with female investors who are talking about their bias and their expectations of how women show up. 
and they expect them to present themselves more like men. So it gets back into those really masculine traits. So if we take it back to that investor who's, you know, cracked open, if you will, and you're shining a flashlight, it becomes, there's patience, there's patience and and the commitment to sorting through and figuring out how does it fit into their business and what about their business changes. So it's truly transformation, change trends and change, change and transformation. How do they even support them? That's been some of the other questions I've received from investors who on occasion have co-founded businesses come through and they like them better than the all male led ones. And they don't know where to find more. They don't even know how they found them, but they like the dynamics. They like how they work together. They like what they do. There's less ego. You have to start, you have to start learning what it's um trying to think of you always have such brilliant metaphors. I'm like, what would a Kathy metaphor be? It would be the only one that comes up for me is when when the Supreme Court of the United States was um debating pornography. Oh God. And one of the justices said, I just know it when I see it. Perhaps not the oh best my God. Perhaps no. metaphor I've ever dusted off. Oh, um, that's funny. Yeah. So, but let's take it to something like, and maybe given the topic, this is something too, too much on the opposite direction as well. Um, how do you know you're in love? Mm. How do you know when you meet a new person and you connect with them for the first time and you just know that this person is very important to you? Yeah. And you just, you just know. It's all about safety. It's feeling safe. Feeling safe to be vulnerable. I mean, look, so backstory. Stacy and I meet because a mutual friend of ours um, had seen a post I had put up about doing some research for some projects I was working on and just things that I was looking for. And I get a message from the wonderful Cindy Ashton who says, you have to meet Stacy. You guys have to talk. And she connects us and we have the, you know, appropriately polite and witty banter by LinkedIn to schedule a time to chat. And we schedule a 30 minute call. We get on the call and close to two and a half hours later, I hit the end meeting on my computer and I stare at the dark screen and I say to myself, what just happened? (laughs) What, what, what? That was supposed to be a 30 minute call and it's two and a half hours later. I have no idea. I just know that this woman is amazing and we're going to be great friends. And that has proven to be very true. It has. Um, The delightful thing in the even the short period of time that we have had a chance to know each other, the, the journey that you have taken, the accelerant that you have put on 
your own path Mm. in the last months and to see the shift in your own language Mm -hmm. and the groundedness and, and knowingness that you're in exactly the right place doing, doing exactly the right thing. Um, it's very inspiring to me. It, and, and it's a reminder. And, and this is what I, I share with you, dear, list, dear listeners, is when something is right, you know. And when something is wrong, you also know. Mm-hmm. And so where, where I'd love to wrap up and with the last question that I'll, I'll pose to you, Stacey, is this. The moment when you knew that this was the path. Yeah. Because I know it was relatively recently. <clears throat> yeah. So I know it's still relatively fresh. What would you say to someone who's listening here? whether it be a woman who is looking for investment, a male investor who knows that there is something different and doesn't know where to go, mm-hmm. those people who are in that transition space, what would you say? Oh, ooh. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts and get curious. Mm. And what does trusting uh, your gut look like? Well, I think it could be different for anyone. For me, it was doing the research for my, my innovator visa to be an expat in the, in the UK. And very focused on helping women scale from one to 50 million, because that's where you really start to see that gap become less. When, I mean, there's so much research and, and I'm not even sure why we do the research, at least for now. Let's give it a five years or so because we keep reinforcing the same the same limiting beliefs the same narrative the same language what i took from it though is that it wasn't just the women men had to come along for the ride and i knew that like it was like this this light bulb moment having uh, um conversations with a fellow entrepreneur who was in front of six investors and they all wanted her to tell her story the way that they wanted to hear her story. And as I'm listening to all of this going on and the effort that she's putting into it, and she already had employees in a business and it was truly two full-time jobs, which many will admit that it is, and but not necessarily in the healthiest of ways. When she shared that she was attempting to learn how to tell her story six different ways. There's one thing about telling a story and telling it well. There's another about crafting a message just so somebody else wants to hear it a certain way. And and it was in that moment that something snapped inside of me 
And I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I've put together tens of thousands of pitched pitch decks, presentation decks, capital committee decks, all these things. And I know exactly what happens. I know exactly how far they get. And I know what they look for. And it was like, oh, they need to know too. They need to know that it isn't just about us doing things to make it easy for them. We have to do this together. So for me, it was that moment of, oh yeah, this is not how this is going to roll out. This is going a different way. And little did I know that it would be here and it would end up like this. And that required me to continue to go back to my why. Why did I? And it was, it's that it's that fire for something different that I've always had. I was raised by two entrepreneurs. I know what it's like to sit at the dinner table and talk about business. I thought my path in corporate was my path forward. And it it just didn't, it wasn't. I learned a lot about it. I met some amazing people, but the confines and the structure weren't for me. I like to buck the system. I like to whine about it or I like to buck it. I, I was like the extreme. Um, so that it was that that moment of okay, let's do it. My body, I, I remember it. My body dropped. There was certainty. And the the things like back to the earlier part of our conversation about what do you want to be contagious? The visa process itself, getting that visa, all of that happened like it was it was like it had been waiting there, handing itself to me. And it just I just had to go by on my own little escalator and collect it. <laughs> it, it couldn't have happened. Now, you know, the rest is in the details and and my ego and where it gets in the way and any limiting beliefs. And it's that continual journey mm. of constantly getting out of your own way. Um keeping a community of people admitting what you do wrong or where you start to see things that you're doing wrong and you don't want to do the same shit again. So it's all about knowing that if that thing keeps telling you that something isn't either right or that there is something different, it's get curious and go find other places and people to talk to about it. Um, it doesn't have to be everything, but enough to get a little bit of something out of it to keep you moving forward or to steer you in that path. And I think that is the perfect place for us to end. Delightful as always. Thank you. And folks, we went places today. <laughs> when do we not would be. That's fair. That would be the question. So listeners, if you want to know more about Stacy, learn more about Stacy. Hold on, I'm going to redo that. <laughs> la, 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 la. Yes, I'm going to cut this part out. Um, uh, listeners, if you want to learn more about Stacy, you want to connect with Stacy. If you are an investor and you're ready to have that popping sound, be you pulling your head out of your ass and move forward. Awesome. I will have all 
of the relevant contact data bits in the show notes so that you can follow Stacy online and stalk her in the appropriate internet-friendly sort of way. And um, I can't wait till we get to do this again sometime. This has been a I am excited. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.